0: If you game, you know settling into your battle station feels enlivening. But gaming on Alienware gear with Intel Core i9 processors? It's more than that, it's a feeling you won't forget. It's where intentional design blurs the line between fantasy and reality. It's where your gear feels like an extension of you. Sometimes it's so immersive, so responsive, you can't tell yourself from your machine. If you're ready to feel one with your gear, start gaming at Alienware.com, featuring the Alienware M15.
1: This episode is sponsored by Yext. Is your website actually hurting your business? If your customers can't easily get answers to their questions, then yeah, it probably is. Yext Answers can help. Yext Answers adds a powerful search engine to your website so your customers can get an official answer to every question. And that means that you can drive more transactions and reduce your support costs. You can try Yext Answers for free. Just go to yext.com and learn more about how Yext Answers can help your website work harder for your business. Greetings, mobile accomplishers. I am Dieter Bone, and you're listening to our special run of director's cuts of the reviews that we have been writing. And this week, we are talking about the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro. This week, I wanted to bring on somebody you may have heard of before, Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal. And we talked about all of our reviews of these phones and the process that we use to get them done. Joanna literally went to a stadium to test 5G, wanted to go deep on that. Talked to Neil, I, of course, about Dolby Vision. They each picked the technical thing that they really wanted to focus on, and then I tried to focus on a bunch of more general stuff. So that was a really an interesting conversation. Also, Neil gets into what it's like to have every photo that he takes of his house look like it comes from a horror movie. It's a thing that happened. Anyway, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. It's super fun. Here's Neelai and Joanna. Joanna Stern, welcome back. You are still the senior technology, senior personal technology columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Hello.
2: Two weeks later, still the same job. That's right. It's a big accomplishment in this industry.
1: (laughs) Uh, Neil Patel. There are four iPhones this year, and we've only seen two out of the four. In our own hands. In our own hands. But so the first decision we had to make was, do you review them together or separately? So Neil and I reviewed them separately. Joanna, you reviewed them together. How did you make that decision?
2: When I looked at them, I said, people may actually really be considering these side by side. Mm -hmm. I, I actually don't think that that many people consider the iPhone 12 next to an iPhone Pro Max. And the mini, we can just talk about like separately, but I really still think there are three phones. And then there's like a A B model of the first phone, which is the iPhone 12, right? Because the iPhone 12 is just the mini. It's the same exact phone, just a smaller screen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just looking at them on paper. I was like, people may actually consider this and actually not only people, but When I'm thinking about buying a phone for my wife, I keep going back and forth between those two. So it made sense to me to review them side by side.
1: Now, can you talk a little bit about why we decided to do it separately? Well, there's two of us. Yeah, that's true. So I made it easy.
2: We actually have two as well. We have me and Nicole Wen, and so iPhones together, iPad separately was our decision.
3: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I I, I was joking. Like <laughs> there's, there are indeed two of us, but really it comes down to there was so much to talk about with these phones. They're the newest phones in quite some time. New design, new camera features in some ways, new modems, five G. Like it made sense to actually break them apart talk about their similarities and then be able to be focused on their differences. Right. If there was less new stuff, we would have leaned towards doing them together.
1: Right. But yeah,
3: there's so much new stuff that i wanted to be able to go deep on the nerdy stuff i wanted to go deep on and still make sure people could get a review of the iphone 12 from teeter
1: <laughs> so the thing that's frustrating though Joanna's like well people are really going to be considering ab these two devices i think a lot of people are actually looking at all four mm-hmm. and you know like some people are like oh maybe i maybe i want to go back to a small phone or oh, i've been waiting desperately for a small phone and a bunch of people are like I want the Pro because the Pro has a better camera. And the only one that actually does have a truly better camera is probably the Pro Max.
2: And the screen. I mean, like, it's funny. I'm in a year where actually, like, pretty much everyone in my life needs a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. So my wife needs a new iPhone. My dad desperately needs a new iPhone. And with my dad, I knew instantly he needs the Max. He he likes a bigger screen. He also doesn't upgrade his phone for 15 years. So it's fine for him. Yeah. Then... With my wife, I was sort of really debating the other three, to your point, and I'm sort of like holding out for the mini. I'm like, maybe she would want a smaller phone, but honestly, after the Pro and like knowing that the telephoto's there, we're just going to go with the Pro. Right. So I I totally agree with you, though. Like you, most people are looking at all of them and probably most people cannot articulate what is different with them. And probably even when they buy them, will not know what's different with them.
1: Yeah. It's actually like, it's a weirdly short list, but then it feels long and like fiddly when you get into it. So- the thing for me with the twelve was just, well, okay, you either just want the default iPhone or you want the better camera and the bigger screen or you want a smaller one. I like I actually don't know for me how many people I want to point at the pro unless like you really want to telephoto. Like you Neil, know, how do you think about like when we're actually like starting to give like the recommendation of if you need an upgrade, which one to get, given that you haven't even touched or seen two out of the four of these phones.
3: Yeah, I think it's really hard. Matt Panzerino at TechCrunch used this word that I kind of wish I had used, but there's the more I think about it, I didn't. He called the Pro a compromise. Yeah. So there's the 12, which everyone should get. There's this Pro Max waiting in the wings, it seems like the best thing you can get. And he said the the Pro, the regular 12 Pro, is the compromise between the two. And if I had held the Pro Max in my hand and I knew it was good, it, I think calling it a compromise at this point in time is really just a bet on how much you think Apple can execute. It is a safe bet that they will execute. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm just more cautious. Like, I want to have used it before I say, that's the best one.
1: Well, there's also the fact that it has a bigger sensor, which uh, is a risk.
3: Yeah, and as you have pointed out in your review of various Samsung phones, uh, and Marquez has pointed out, those bigger sensors come with a host of assorted problems. Now, Apple's got a lighter sensor. Like, again, do you think Apple can execute? Yeah. Probably they can. But just given what we know about the problems others have had, I would like to hold it in my hand and take a bunch of photos before I confidently say the 12 is a compromise. But if I had to bet, I think the 12 is a compromise.
2: <laughs> you mean the 12, not the 12 Pro?
3: The 12 Pro is a compromise. Okay. Right. Between the best thing you can get from Apple and the thing that everyone should get. And I think that yep. it's a unique place for the 12 Pro to be. Like, you don't usually think of any of Apple's products as being the compromise. Yeah. But it just at, right now, I don't think that the value for dollars, it's not as obvious as last year when you got an OLED display instead of an LCD.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I think they could just get rid of that Pro, right? But they don't want to because margins. And the only reason to buy that Pro is for the telephoto lens.
1: Yeah. That, to me, the only reason to buy the Pro is for the telephoto lens. But we should actually list out the things that the Pro has that the regular 12 doesn't. And it is the telephoto lens, lidar. Shiny sides made out of uh, steel, and so they weigh more. A matte glass back instead of a glossy back. Apple's still doing this annoying thing where like, they like swap what gets glossy and matte. It has a higher typical screen brightness compared to the 12, which makes no sense to me. And it al- will also someday in the future support this new RAW image format. It will also support Dolby Vision HDR at 60 frames per second instead of 30, Who knows why? And finally, the batteries between these two phones may, in fact, be different. We don't know.
3: (laughs) There's been some teardowns already that suggest they're the same. I don't know the answer to that either. And I think the other things you mentioned are which of those are software limitations and which of those are hardware limitations. right? Right. So we, we assume the Pro has more RAM. Two
2: gigs more, right?
3: Right. Six versus four, I think, is... It's hard like that's what the numbers tell
1: us, but like Apple just yeah. will refuse to tell you. And, and actually as we're recording this right now, iFixit is doing their iPhone twelve teardown live. So we can't just like go look <laughs> at the part yet because they're doing it right now.
3: But no, like what is a limitation because of two gigs more of RAM? Is that mm-hmm. ProRaw can't work on four gigs of RAM? Is it Dolby Vision can't work at sixty because of four gigs of RAM? You need the extra RAM. And what is a software limitation? And I just over time with these phones. I think that line is getting blurrier, and we actually don't know. So the the peak brightness thing you mentioned, Mm -hmm. their actual peak brightness in Dolby
1: Vision is the same number. Yes, correct. Yep. When you're in HDR watching Dolby Vision, they both can hit, I think it's 1,200 nits. But then, for typical use, they ramp the twelve down to a—I forget the numbers. It was like six, six twenty-five, and, six twenty-five, like eight hundred or something, right?
3: And it's like—is that a software limitation? Is that a hardware? We will never know the answer because yeah. you can't just like unlock iOS and find out for yourself. Yeah. And also, just in your regular day-to-day life with automatic brightness and True Tone and all that stuff on, the goal of all that—that software—is to make the screens look the same. Yep. So I, I think that that's like a the screen stuff to me is. It's caught in that that world of what is a software limitation, what is a hardware limitation, and what is the actual experience that you're going to have.
1: So, Joanna, because Neil and I reviewed them separately, we neither of us has actually held both phones and looked at them together at the same time. Did you notice any differences between the screens, or like any other like notable differences? Is one way more than the other? Is like any other like I don't. Do you want to talk about hand feel?
2: Yes. So actually, it's funny, the things you listed at the beginning about the design, I actually feel having both of these phones together that the 12 is the better design of the phone, even though the 12 Pro feels weightier. Like you Mm -hmm. definitely feel like when you go to pick it up, you know which one you've picked up. Interesting. Like if they're both on the table, like and you and you're not looking at the back of the phone, you know exactly which one you've picked up because of the the weightiness of the of the pro. I also don't like on the pro the edges, the stainless steel edges. The sides are silver basically and get very, very fingerprinted up. Like there's lots of smudges on the sides. And even though the back of the pro, the glass gets very smudgy, Mm -hmm. I'm used to that because I've had the eleven and you could also just, like, do an easy wipe on your pants, and that, like, comes off, versus the sides, which, like, kind of, you need a microfiber cloth to, like, polish up the sides, which is something I do every night. You know, I polish my yeah, phone every night. Of course. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just take out my power washer, usually, and I yeah. just... <laughs> just get in it's a, You know what? They yeah. have a brand new attachment for power washers, and you need to get it. It's an iPhone.
3: Joanne and I, by the way, are deep into power washers. Uh, that would be a great TikTok channel. I think you just
1: power washing phones every night, people would go crazy for it. I... Haven't seen the pro, but I agree. I think it's a better design. The twelve is a better design than the pro. I think those shiny sides are ostentatious.
3: Yeah. I like it. I haven't I mean I haven't seen the other ones, but I mean that was like the joke of my entire review was that some people are just going to spend the extra money mm-hmm. to get the shiny one. Yeah. And that's fine. But like we should just be honest that the biggest draw of this phone yeah. is not the telephoto lens. It is not some marginal Software features that you can't get. It's that it's shiny. Like, right. let's just be honest with each other. I'll be honest with myself. I've come to accept who I am. I'll buy, I'll buy the shiny one. And like, that's fine. If you were to buy one, Eli, which one would you go for? I'm like a, a full big screen person. Even yeah. at home in quarantine, I spend most of my mornings working on a phone because I, I have our kid in the morning. Uh-huh. And so like, I'm always just sort of like working on the phone. So like the biggest screen I can get is the most useful to me in that context. And then I always want the best camera I can get. Like I'm a camera nerd and this camera looks really interesting. And like, if I had to choose right now between the two of them, I'd obviously get the 12 Pro, the regular one, because it has the slightly better camera. But I I, I wouldn't buy one right now because I'm waiting to see what this other thing can do. Right. Joanna,
1: how about you?
2: I'm definitely buying my wife the Pro. Yeah. But funny enough, like now that review review time is over, my Sim is in the 12.
3: Wait, why are you buying your wife a pro?
2: Because the size, She she's, mostly she's had a 10 and she's actually really liked it, except for the camera, which she doesn't see the issues, but I see it all the time in the photo she texts the family. Yes. And so she loves the size of it and she's used to the telephoto. Like we're not going back on the telephoto now. So, mm. and I miss the only, th- I like, I love this 12 and that's the one I've been using with my sim in it. But I miss the telephoto. I love the telephoto for taking. And I said in my piece, like, it's great for kids and pets. Like, you you don't have to move to get to the scene. And that is constantly disrupting shots with kids and pets and, I don't know, other things. People who don't <laughs> have kids and pets. I, it's not, I'm not nothing. I, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm leaving you out of this review.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for the mini. Uh, and my particular reason for that is I, I miss having small phones. I like big phones uh, for gaming, but otherwise I don't really need a big phone. I'm happy with a small phone. So I'm waiting to see about the mini. My own particular thing is um, I review no phones where sometimes I'm carrying two, so I won't want one of them to be small. So... One thing that both of you do in your reviews that I don't often do is you pick one specific feature to really zero in on and explain, uh, and like you don't need to worry about all the other, like running down every single other thing, because you're there to talk about that one big feature. And Joanna, for you, it was 5G. Neil it was uh, Dolby Vision. We should start with 5G. Joanna went to MetLife Stadium yeah, yeah. to test 5G. The fastest of fast
2: 5G service is really only in big public spots. Like the $3 billion MetLife Stadium. This whole space is equipped with Verizon ultra wideband 5G antennas and radios.
3: Everyone on Twitter is like, Joanna obviously left a lightning cable on the field because last night Daniel Jones went, almost had an 80 yard touchdown run and tripped at the 20, and it's obviously Joanna's fault. What did you do to that stadium?
2: (laughs) Well, Here's the thing, it actually was not at MetLife Stadium, even uh, though he's on the Giants. Um, I guess it was at what's the Eagle Stadium called? The Link. Yeah. Despite new rumors that I'm a stadium reporter, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, chances are he was practicing this week at MetLife. And yeah. you know, maybe maybe that's what tripped him up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, carry on. 5G. I mean, it was a no-brainer. I just I I I just love hate five G so much. Yeah. And the hype from last week's or two weeks ago's uh presentation. I sat here like very angry at that presentation and I just felt like I had to let it out someplace, even though my editor was like, Nobody cares about five G. Don't focus this review on five G. Don't do so much testing around five G. And I was like, nope, I'm just gonna test yeah. so much five G in these seven days and I'm just gonna live at the polls. And <laughs> I just love 5G but I also hate it.
1: What's interesting about the stadium is it's it is literally the one millimeter wave use case where i'm like yep that i get that that makes sense you've got a huge number of people wi-fi isn't going to hold up they've all got a direct line of sight to the towers and they're like in a space where like you're guaranteed to like not be walking a block away because you're sitting in a sports stadium watching a game
2: i totally agree i had a couple of ideas of how i wanted to do this but also i had done the video now twice where i sit at the local 5g tower and uh just live there because but truth is is no one's ever going to do that. No one is ever going to really use that 5G tower that they're putting up near you unless you happen to be walking by that tower or your car connects to that tower at some point off in the future. Like, we yep. still don't really understand why these towers are putting being put up where they're being put up in these cities. Stadiums, I get. Other types of arenas makes a ton of sense. Um, like, just public spaces where you know there are going to be a lot of people and, you know, certainly, sure. Like, we don't have real uploads yet on millimeter wave, or really on any five G network. But actually, at MetLife, I had a good conversation with the guy who's in charge there, and he's he talked about how they're trying to enable uploads. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, who doesn't want to be in an empty stadium?
3: Yeah, I mean, that part seemed amazingly cool.
2: It was so cool. It was I like didn't believe it till I like got there. It was like, oh yeah, this is this is really happening.
1: Now that we've all used like a 5G iPhone, I've been using 5G Android phones to medium- Effect. Um, I actually got really deep into 5G on this one, and got into details that I could have gotten into with an earlier Android phone. But it, I don't know. It felt like this was the moment because now it's real.
2: I really liked that, by the way, Dieter. I was like, yes. Oh, I was like, you. Dieter is really going in on 5G.
1: Now Verizon has this millimeter wave network, which is also referred to as ultra wideband or UWB. But you have to literally be on the right street corner to
2: get it. When we were out shooting. This- you can actually like tell your readers everything. Versus me where I'm like, it's all in here, but I'm going to, (laughs) like, condense this to 25 words and you will not understand what I'm saying.
1: Well, I mean, because they said it was We're going to have a metaphysical discussion now on the nature of the real. And then we can have an epistemic uh, discussion about uh, the meaning of 5G because they said that 5G is real now. Uh, So this is my podcast. That's how it's going to go. Sorry. (laughs) Welcome to Philosophy Talk with Dieter Bone. Other than going to a stadium, did you have a—like, I was actually relatively impressed— with even the sub-6 5G, because I feel like the networks aren't saturated yet. When you went out to like go look for 5G, did you find it? And were there times when you uh, just had it and you didn't know it? Or, like, it, did it Has it become normal yet, or are you still hunting it down? I know you both have different answers to this.
2: I will go first. So here's my situation with 5G, which is odd, but put aside the fact that I went to MetLife to get ultra-wideband millimeter wave 5G, because I really wanted to do that for the video. And I actually agree with you. It's like, it is a real use case, but I live Mm. in Jersey city and in my area, they are putting up millimeter wave cells everywhere. Okay. I live down the block from a giant brand new millimeter wave pole from Verizon. Okay. I have to just step outside my door and I can get a thousand down. (laughs) Okay. When I step back inside my door, that's my stoop, okay? When I go back inside my door, I fall back to LTE, yeah. okay? So I go from like a 1,000 to 30. So that's one situation. Then when I like walk around my area, sometimes I'm in 5G territory, right? Especially when I'm moving farther away from that millimeter wave cell, like, I don't know, you know, a couple feet down, uh, I mean, I not say a couple feet, but like maybe a 100 feet down the street. And then I get 5G, but- those speeds are pretty comparable to Verizon LTE speeds in my area, so I don't necessarily feel like I'm seeing any in between LTE and millimeter wave. Yeah. Then I'm gonna one more thing about my week. I went to Princeton, New Jersey, to host a conference. Beautiful Princeton, New Jersey is actually very beautiful there. And I did have the five G indicator, and I decided to test that five. It was sub six millimeter, uh, sub six Verizon five G. And I was like, OK, let me let me see what I'm getting on my LTE 11 Pro. And those speeds were pretty comparable, too. Yep. So it's a mixed bag.
1: Uh, Neil, you can tell us about the experience in rural America. Yeah. Rural broadband is a real thing. I, I care. I, I cared about it
3: before. And now I really care about it. So <laughs> in March, we left New York City. We moved upstate because there's a pandemic on, I have no, I have horrible service here. So there's no AT&T signal at our house at all. There's two bars of Verizon LTE. The phone is fine on LTE to get nationwide sub six Verizon 5G. -hmm. I have to drive at least 45 minutes. So I did that once. And then obviously I went back into the city to shoot our review and do that day of testing. I found that in like t- on two of the speed tests, and like you can't extrapolate this, which is why it's not in the review, there were times that my at t LTE phone would outperform mm-hmm. Verizon 5G. Mm-hmm. Just like straight up, they're sitting next to each other head to head. The LTE is 10 or 15 megabits faster on the download. Then there were times that Verizon 5G nationwide in New York, in the middle of our office building in Studio B Dieter, which is like, it's kind of yeah. just a big black box in the middle of the building. Yeah. I'd be like 150 down in a space where at LT could just never be. Yeah. So there, there's just this like huge mixed bag. Mm-hmm. And there's, this is very funny. Dieter told me that a building across the street had a millimeter wave antenna on it from our office. And it's funny, like Joanna, you can like see the, you can see them. So I walk across the street. I'm waiting for the ultra wide indicator to light up. And I'm just like waving the phone <laughs> at the top of the building.
2: That's me all the time.
3: And then I'm like. 2200 down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, no the the poll by me at 3000 down. It's nuts. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's incredible
3: when it works, but it just doesn't seem there's something about it that does not seem useful
1: or real.
2: Well, useful is the big thing.
1: Yeah, I call that a concept car. Like, it's mm-hmm. the thing that makes you go, ooh, I could totally, I totally want that. But they never actually make the concept car. It's just a concept car. And like, only only very rarely do they, like, is the thing that they actually produce, mass produce as cool as the concept car. And that's how I feel about ultra wideband. It's not just Verizon. Other carriers have got it, uh, but I, we've mostly been testing it on Verizon. Yeah. One thing that gratified me about all this inconsistency uh, is... I don't think I read a single review. I don't think a single journalist said, oh yeah, you want this because it has 5G. Literally everybody that I've read has said, yeah, I mean, if you're going to buy it, buy it for any other reason, but don't buy it just for 5G.
2: Yeah. Two things I wanted to talk about there. One is what do you actually do with it? Because I made a big fuss. I think we talked about this on the last podcast when I was on Dieter, Mm -hmm. but I spent a lot of the summer or the second August testing 5G and trying to figure out what are we actually going to use this for on a smartphone? Because the carriers in all my conversations with them have zero answer other than download. Sorry, they have one answer, downloading things fast. And we don't really do that that much. So I kept kind of going after what would we use this for? And that's where I did my 5G RV piece where I hooked up all these gadgets to, you know, one personal hotspot on a phone. But even with this one, and I like that you pointed out in your review too, the personal hotspot, because I had a really good experience with that in the middle of MetLife Stadium where I actually connected my laptop and I was getting like you know, the phone was probably getting a thousand down um, right from the field, much faster up in the stands. Mm-hmm. But I connected my laptop to the phone and was able to get like four hundred on the, on the laptop, which is much better than I'd seen with other phones. You guys also pointed out FaceTime HD. I'm not really sure that's a you know huge plus, but I do think the the hotspot thing is is an actual use that we would use millimeter wave for.
3: So Apple said they've tweaked the Wi-Fi on the phone to make the connection faster mm-hmm. when you when you use it as a hotspot. It also will support Wi-Fi six as a hotspot. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "And USB, it's faster than USB could ever be," which is very funny mm-hmm. because you can definitely get gigabit USB adapters for your MacBook. Like, <laughs> you just absolutely can do that. I think it's faster than lightning. Yeah. Right. I think lightning is actually the cap on this and they don't want to say it and they don't want to be like, and we're going to put USB C on yeah. the phone because they're trying to get the, all- and so just that whole conversation was very elliptical hmm. where they're like, right. the Wi Fi is faster than USB. And we were all just kind of like, is it
1: like, yeah, that
3: has like huge implications for every Mac that you sell. And I think like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> like,
1: that was like the end of yeah. that conversation. couple more things before we take a break. Uh, Neil, you were really worried about battery life. And I found that battery life is not affected by 5G unless you're on ultra wideband. And then like it will, if you just bang on ultra wideband, you will definitely have a, see it on the battery. But otherwise, 5G is basically the equivalent of LTE. And most of my testing, if you're on a sub six.
3: Yeah, you know, I I put this line in the review because I feel like we have to say what happened.
1: Yeah. So, yep, the day that I
3: was in New York City with the phone
1: started at a full
3: charge. And by like 2 or 3 p.m., after all of the testing and shooting and using the phone that we had done, I was at a total of two and a half hours of screen time and 18% battery, which is Mm -hmm. horrible. Do I think this is representative of anything except hammering the modem and using the camera a ton? I do not. And if you looked at my most used apps that day, it was literally like camera safari speed test. Yeah. yeah, that's not right. That's not accurate. At home, when I've just been using the phone and I've kept it off my Wi-Fi and used what poor Verizon LTE we have, yeah, it's a little less than my 11 Pro, which has a bigger, uh, 11 Pro Max, which has a bigger battery. Mm-hmm. And I think, Dieter, you were saying that Android phones with 5G chips in them have like been fine. It's not like the early days of LTE yeah, where the phones are a brick, they got really hot and they died right away. It's basically fine. But I do have just general concerns that what people are going to do when they get a five G phone is seek out the fastest five G they can get. That stadium example, millimeter wave is going to be great in a stadium. Do you know what often ha- happens to people at stadiums? Their batteries die.
2: Yeah. Well, did you see me? I went. I had the whole the whole battery charging area to myself. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So there's no problem. Look, the battery charging kiosk vendor is about to have a boom in business.
2: Yeah, but no, totally the millimeter wave thing kills and hammers the battery. I mean, as someone who has spent a like better half of days at the millimeter wave pole, mm-hmm. I watch it die. I can see it go down, like especially doing download tests, downloading two episodes, uh, two seasons of Breaking Bad, which is counts like basically 4 gigabytes it was my, I think it was like three and a half minutes, four minutes. That, Mm -hmm. that was 15% drop. Yeah. And the phone gets warm and you Mm -hmm. feel the thing eating the energy of the phone. I mean, it's, it's crazy speeds. It's crazy performance. I, I, and I agree with you. People will seek this out, but it's not going to be the typical use. Like normal days. I'm, I'm fine with this phone. I still think my 11 got a little bit more. It could be a mental thing. I keep like Trying to like separate, but i I think the eleven got a little bit more, like maybe five to ten percent more for me at the end of the day.
1: I think it was greater than five to ten percent on the eleven. but I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, that thing is also a beast. like that phone is and then in comparison, like that's the other thing about the lightness of this phone. like it's just comparatively to that eleven. It just feels so light and nice and small, yeah and small.,
1: uh, this is a great place to take a break and we're gonna come back, and uh we're gonna talk about HDR and Dolby vision. I'm not coming
0: back for that. (laughs) If you game, you know settling into your battle station feels enlivening. But gaming on Alienware gear with Intel Core i9 processors? It's more than that. It's a feeling you won't forget. It's where intentional design blurs the line between fantasy and reality. It's where your gear feels like an extension of you. Sometimes it's so immersive, so responsive, you can't tell yourself from your machine. If you're ready to feel one with your gear, start gaming at Alienware.com, featuring the Millionware m15
4: is your business ready to be a 5g business get the coverage of 5g nationwide in more than 1,800 cities and in more and more cities the unprecedented performance of 5g ultra wideband the fastest 5g in the world from america's most reliable network comes the 5g business has been waiting for verizon 5g 5G Ultra Wideband enables immersive AR experiences, collaborative VR environments, and seamless 4K video conferences for businesses of any size. Verizon 5G won't just transform how your phone works. It can transform how entire industries work. Get 5G built right from the network businesses rely on. Visit verizon.com slash 5G slash business to learn more. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. Global claim based on open-signal independent analysis during the period of January 31st through April 30th, 2020.
1: All right, so like I was saying, uh, both of you focus on different things in your reviews, and you tend to focus on the the key feature that you really want to describe. Um, And, Nilay, you decided you really wanted to get into an explainer on... Dolby Vision. I feel like it's a tradition for you when you review an iPhone, you find some topic to go really deep on. I'm going to regret asking you this, but can you in like 30 seconds or less say, just for people that might not be familiar, what is Dolby Vision? Yeah.
2: I'm going to time it.
3: Okay. Well, first I'll just say I knew you two, were. it's a luxury. I knew you two would go deep on 5G so I could nerd out over here. So that, right. right. So that's like, I feel very lucky to to know that YouTube will do a good job with that stuff. And everyone else, Dolby Vision, high dynamic range in video, is a technology that encompasses both the capture, how you capture the video, how you master it, and then literally the displays you watch it on. And what it means is the brightness of the displays can get way brighter than before, it can mm-hmm. have more detail in the brights, and the displays show you more colors. So the way I have always been talking about it is a standard video is a pretty dim light bulb in a 48 box of crayons, Dolby Vision is a very bright light bulb and a 64 box of crayons. Only by 64, I mean 1 billion.
1: Wow. That it. was wow. exactly 30 seconds. I was <laughs> watching the clock. <laughs> That's
2: pretty great. For all of our listeners on this podcast, I was holding up the clock to the... We're on Zoom. If
3: you were a computer person mm-hmm. like 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And computers went from having eight colors on their... T- no colors on their screens to eight to 256 to millions... That was like a meaningful thing that happened to computers over time.
1: I stepped through all of those colors. We started with a, a green monochrome Apple II and we went through CGA, VGA, WGGA, like all that stuff. Yeah, and that has more or less stalled, Yeah. right? I mean,
3: there's like multiple letters now in front of VGA depending on how big and curved your screen is. Yeah, but yeah. like it's that stuff is more or less stalled. Dolby Vision HDR is like the next generation of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to show more colors. The displays are going to get brighter. And we're going to be able to talk to to every part of the chain from the camera to the screen about that.
1: So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Why did you want to focus on this? Because, like, to me, screens are okay. Well, there's like four or five things you can improve. You can improve contrast ratio by making an OLED. You can put more pixels on it, uh, which is what Samsung loves to do. You can make it brighter. Uh, you can improve the color. Or you can do the thing that sort of encompasses all of that, and that's still be vision. I think it comes down
3: to the reason it's exciting is all the things you described are ways mm-hmm. to improve the content you already had. Right. Okay. So you've got a video in 16 by 9 HD. It's got however many pixels, however much resolution, however many colors. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to monkey with the screen and how you process that picture to make it look better than it did on a another screen. Right. But the raw material you're working with is the same. Right. Okay, so and we've come uh, to a long way. OLED screens, higher resolution, pixel density,
1: all that stuff has improved. Pentile, the high water mark. If you
3: want to yeah. If you want to make it even better, you have to change the actual movie. You have to change the video itself mm-hmm. to push beyond the capabilities of the display that you have. Got it. And so, Dolby Vision HDR in general represents, okay, we're going to capture higher quality video that demands a higher quality screen, and then we're. I think what's important with the iPhone. Is that it's on by default, right? So now millions of people are going to start generating this higher quality video that will demand better screens in all these other places. It's not that other phones can't do it. Everybody has reminded me that the 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 latest Sony Xperia phones can do it,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: like shoot HDR
1: video. And it's like, well, yeah, that's nice (laughs) for the ten people (laughs) that buy Sony Xperia phones. I
3: yeah, like at Apple's scale, it means you know it's just true. Apple bends the industry around them because they ship so many phones. So mm-hmm. when they turn it on something on by default, the industry tends to bend around them.
2: Sorry, Where did you see like the biggest difference in this type of capture?
3: Um, there are two places. One, if you are outside and it's very bright, you will just see more detail. Things mm-hmm. will blow out less. The video itself will be brighter. If you're out if you're I'm in the woods, like it's fall, there's like lots of colors. So like sunsets, you'll see less gradation. Like, it's just more rich and vivid and brighter with more detail. That's one place. The other one and this is like the classic HDR is like at night with neon stuff. <laughs> and it's like very, it's like it's every every HDR demo loop is like a car at sunset and at night with neon stuff. Yeah. And that is I mean there's a reason for it. That stuff looks remarkable. Like you take an HDR video of a neon sign at night in a city and it's raining and like you know what that feels like? And when you capture it on a regular cell phone, it's like, fine. You get an HDR video of it. It's like bright and vivid. Right. A long time ago when HDR first came out at CES, a TV maker took me into a room and the person demoing it said, we're going to play an explosion for you. And it's going to be so bright that you will feel heat, even though your brain will trick you into feeling heat. Did that happen? Yeah, it was crazy. It was, we were watching the fifth element, which is like a ridiculous movie. And like the explosion went off and I was like, wow. Now that was like a hundred inch ultra bright display, but that's like the top end of the experience you can get from, from HDR.
1: Okay. So you've, we've talked about the screen technology improving. We've talked about the camera being able to create a better file that actually is like, can take advantage of the best screen technology. The problem is there's a third part of the story, which is uh, how do you get that file to show up on that screen? And it seems to me, that's the part where, it's a, the, it's complicated.
3: Well, here's what you do. You okay. maintain iron control of your ecosystem and build the walls ever higher. Right. Okay. This is like another Apple thing. Apple makes the phone. Apple makes most of the devices that you might share it to if you're in a family with a family plan. Like Joanna said, the whole family is going to get new iPhones this year. That is a remarkable kind of power for Apple to have. They make an Apple TV. Uh, they make iMessage, which in the United States is very popular. Like, They've got a way to not only create the video and show it on their displays, but send it to other places. Right. The problem is that everyone else has to come along for that ride, too. So Dolby Vision is a standard, but Apple has a new... I mean, it's a format war. Underneath this all is a very quiet format
1: war. Between who and what?
3: Between Apple and Samsung and Dolby. It's like a multi-part format war. The reason that most people don't experience it is because the only people who've been generating this video up until now have been major studios using their own streaming services or going to Netflix, right? And all the TV vendors are very motivated to just make that work for you quietly in the background. So there has been a format war. Uh, the best example I can give you is: Do you remember last last Super Bowl? Fox did the Super Bowl in 4K HDR, mm-hmm. and like only one device supported it. It was like the Roku supported it, and then like the Roku sold out that night. Like you yeah. just I like couldn't buy a Roku the night before the Super Bowl. And like the Apple TV didn't like that's because Fox chose to broadcast in an HDR format called HLG, which no one else supported. Right. The end. So like it's been a very quiet format war with some explosions. Apple's built a new format. If you have an Apple TV, it's very wonky. You have to run an Apple TV in in what is a suboptimal condition to watch your own HDR footage from a phone over AirPlay. If you have another TV with AirPlay 2, flip of the coin. Like right. most new ones should be able to do it, but I think Dieter's won't. Mine mine won't. Like, it, I think there's just like a lot of the early adopters of 4K HDR TVs are learning, like, oh, we bought a computer two years too early.
1: Yeah. And it, it can't do all the stuff that you just expect a TV to be able to do. Well, this is why I'm waiting to buy a TV. This is like the upcoming consoles, uh, the, the Xbox and the PlayStation. Like, there's a bunch, like, we're, we're PlayStation 5 ready. I was like, are you? Are you really? So I'm going to wait. Uh, to upgrade my TV until like those consoles shake out. But like another question here is, don't take this the wrong way, but how much does it actually matter? Uh, It's hard to get this thing on a TV because don't the vast majority of people watch these things on the things that they created it with, like just watch it on phones?
3: Yeah, I I think that's true. I made that point in the review and the, you know, iOS 14 is smart. Most of the apps are smart. Most of the video you share will be in SDR. And that's because the The format that Apple and Dolby have made steps down intelligently, right? It's like built to step down. So it's built on a standard called HLG,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: hybrid log gamma. This is the one where we go deep on review stuff, right? Hybrid log gamma. What is reality, Dieter? Um, And that was built by the BBC and the Japanese broadcaster NHK so they could send out HDR video and it would play back without any conversion on SDR TVs. So right. Apple, used that, Apple and Dolby used that format, then they built the rest of Dolby Vision on top of it. That's why it's new. The previous versions of Dolby Vision weren't built in that way. So yeah, if you send a video off an iPhone, the, the reason it doesn't have to convert before you send it is because the format is made to be broadly compatible. hmm but that means when you send it to YouTube, when you send it to Instagram, when you send it to TikTok, when you send it to a friend over messages, when you airdrop it to a Mac, when you airdrop it to another phone, like it'll just be an SDR version. That's the thing that happens to you. And so, yeah, does like does this one feature matter at this instant in time? No,
2: because you're mostly going to send SDR <laughs> video everywhere. But it does because you spend so much time on it. Ooh. Right. But
3: it's also it's just like it's the it's obviously the beginning of HDR video becoming more prevalent than SDR video because yeah. everyone's going to start making this thing.
1: Well, this is also an example, uh, Joanna. You and I talked about this where like you do all the work, you do all the testing, you know all the things, but it doesn't make it to the video or to the written page. Um, for us, we like sometimes pick a thing to like make it to the written page because this phone, not sending out HDR videos you'd expect it to. It
2: seems like a big thing, actually.
1: Well, yeah, it's nice to know why, because that helps people understand what the problem is, potentially leads them towards a solution, and at the very least, helps everybody understand the scope of the problem and where to (laughs) apply pressure to fix it
2: right? Well, it's also, it's, it's another marketing thing, right? Right. It's something that was marketed that you think you're going to get, but actually there's a lot of fine print around why you're not actually going to get it.
1: 5G, 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 5G.
2: 5G. And even this, like I, I honestly, Neil, I'm reading your review. I was like, oh, so like, I wasn't even looking at the Dolby HDR video on my Mac. Nope. Like, That isn't a good thing that I didn't know that as the reviewer of this phone. (laughs) You know, how can we expect real normal people? And not that we are not real and normal, but people who don't dig into this stuff, they'll think, oh, I just like I should have this great new video on my Mac now because I got this new phone and it shoots that. Oh, look how beautiful it is. I'm getting this beautiful kind of new video, but you're not.
3: Yeah, it's so like the Mac question is, is really interesting, right? They're like. Any Mac that runs Big Sur will play this video.
2: But I don't have that yet.
3: I, it's not out yet. We don't know when it's coming out. Also, demanding that everyone with a Mac update their operating system to play your video, is that is an enormous ask.
2: Yeah, at my company, we have to. We it's almost mandatory that you run an an OS version that's seven years old. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and look, uh, I've been running the Big Sur beta. Uh, I actually had to. I completely wiped one of my Macs to get off of it because it was so buggy. It used to be that like when a new version of of a Mac OS came out, or even with Windows, it's still the case. You would say, don't install the first one. Wait, Right. and that absolutely applies this year when the next version of macOS comes out. Do not install it on day one. Just don't do it. Turn off auto updates.
2: I did the same thing. I had, um it was like the second beta
0: mm-hmm.
2: on my Mac and it just like, it could not understand an, a, an external microphone input.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: it was so deeply buggy. And I'm like, I, I just stopped using it. Yeah. Anyway, interesting thing I did not know when I was reviewing.
3: The zoom out of that, Joanna, is phone makers, all of them, but in particular Apple, hate admitting that their phones are computers and have extremely well-known computer problems. What mm-hmm. are we talking about here? I made a file format that is hard for other computers to read. I might as well be talking about Microsoft Word, right? Like right. I might as well be talking about Excel not being open in numbers properly or like whatever. Like, you know, that's all that's happening here. And because we don't talk about the phones like computers all the time, When we acknowledge the computer problems, everyone's like, that's so complicated. I'm like, is it? Yeah. I just have a newer PDF than you. Like, that's all that I did here.
2: Well, I don't want to turn this into an HEIC conversation.
1: (laughs) 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 That's a whole issue. (laughs) This whole discussion of not treating the iPhone like a computer, Apple really, really doesn't want. This is why they don't tell us how much RAM is in the phones, right? It's like that once you get there, it's an admission that this thing has limitations in the same way that other computers have limitations. I think that's why they didn't give us access to like a real file system until relatively recently. Real. It's It's like 5G. What is the nature of real? (laughs) I told you we were going to go there. Um, As long as we're talking anything else about Dolby Vision, Eli? No, no, no. Don't
2: give it that. that, that. It's the same as 5G.
1: Don't buy it because it has it, but you will like it when you use it. Okay. The cameras were another thing I focused on. And I actually we haven't really talked a ton about our process for how we do camera reviews or reviews of the cameras on phones. I took about 400 photos uh, for this review give or take, and we put them all in a Lightroom album. um, At least I do, because you can look at the EXIF data and then you can share that album. It's it's a much more convenient way than just sharing a Google Drive folder. And then everybody looks at it and starts critiquing stuff. And then, you know, we're like, okay, well, we now know how this camera performs and what it does. But the thing that I've been thinking about lately, uh, and it's not just because of this iPhone 12 review, but it's because of the phone I'm reviewing right now, which is the Razer 5G, is that results... Thing that we do really only tells at best half the story of a camera review, because the other half is the experience of the camera app, and whether or not the camera consistently does what you expect it to when you click the shutter button. Um, the iPhone might lose out on you know low light shots to the Pixel five in certain cases. It totally does, but what the iPhone does better than most other Android phones, Pixel and maybe Samsung excluded is I know what it's going to do when I hit the shutter button. I know exactly what's going to happen. I can I'm not surprised by the result of the photo that I get. And it's weird we, you know we say it every year and it seems like it's not a big deal, but that's so fundamental to the experience of an iPhone, of an iPhone camera is that you know what it's going to do. Yeah,
3: you know the one the one part of reviewing this phone that I thought was particularly made difficult by the pandemic was reviewing the camera. Why? Because I love reviewing phone cameras, as you all know. And like part of it is we like run around outside with four cameras, four phones. We mm-hmm. find cool things to take photos of. I get to take photos of a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is very hard to do when you're like, I don't want to put my family in the review and they don't want to sit around posing for photos in front of like weird lighting conditions for me. They're They're not, not interesting. <laughs> Whereas like a virtual board, I'm like, S- be backlit, like stand over here. And like, if you look at our last few iPhone reviews, Uh, our video producer, our video producer, Maria Abdelkaff is in them. And it was like a Mm -hmm. tradition that Maria and I just like went and had a photo shoot for like the last four phones. So like, you know, I like slacked Maria, I was like, you're not in the review this year. Mm -hmm. So no people. And then we come back to the office and we have big displays and our art team and our photography team, like, We all just like yell at each other about what, what pictures are better and why. Oh yeah. And now it's like a slack room debate. Yeah. It's like, and it's just very, oh my God, Joanna just brought a skeleton into the room. Uh, Literally a, uh, like a, like a Halloween skeleton. Yeah. But I just really missed that this year. I feel like I'm less confident in what I'm saying about the camera this year for those reasons. I took a lot of photos and I, I looked at them and all of them look like stills from a horror movie. It's all like <laughs> children's toys alone outside uh, in the rain. Yeah. But I just, I you know, I feel like there wasn't a lot of change this year, so I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, the change, the, the aperture changed. That rigor wasn't there for me this year. Yeah. Yeah. Joanna, tell me about the skeleton.
2: Okay. So to your point about not having people to take photos of, I feared this when we went to MetLife, that there would be no one to like take photos of like portrait, <laughs> test the portrait mode. So I bought this skeleton to try and get Met life. That didn't happen.
3: <laughs> they, wait, they, they rejected the
2: skeleton? We just couldn't carry everything we had. Uh, and the skeleton had to be left behind.
3: Oh my God. Yeah.
2: And I had this idea because I was testing low light in my neighborhood and like this was like there are skeletons everywhere because it's going to be Halloween. Yeah. And so now I have the skeleton in my house. Amazing. Yeah. And my son loves it, but he was not used in the video.
1: The things you pick up as a reviewer is just, it's very strange. I have a bunch of just like candles and little weird, like fake plants and just like stuff to put in the background of photos. Like did they just, they only exist so I can put them in the background of a photo of a smartphone.
3: Yeah. But that, all that said, the camera, the camera this year, the improvements are very minor. Yep. So I feel like we, we're going to have to figure something out for the pro max. Yep. But for these cameras, you know, Dieter, your point about Apple's very consistent Apple's restraint in not making the camera app more complicated, but making it take better photos just by like hitting the button. I think it's like pretty commendable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a really dumb example is they added on the pro because it has LIDAR. You can take a night portrait and you just like yep. do it just like does it.
2: I do wish that had like a little bit more of an indicator.
3: Well, no, it does. You have to switch to the one X lens. So your choices are between the two X lens and portrait. And then there's like the night mode icon you just like mm-hmm. click it. And then it's a night mode on the one X lens. That's it. Yeah. That's that's the only thing you have to do.
2: And you see the little night mode icon pop up. I yeah, I, I think yellow. I just, my overall feeling about night mode has been that I wish that icon was a little bit more in your face and said, like, night mode.
3: And you were, like, turning it on. Yeah. Yes.
2: Like, instead of, what is it? Like, a little sun. You know, it's a little circle. Like,
1: that fills in.
3: Yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah. about mm-hmm. it indicates what it is. It's like, right. it's a yellow circle. Like, okay. yeah. Right. But I just, in comparison to that, the pixel, you have to set it. Mm-hmm. Auto night mode on the Pixel seems really fiddly to me. Yeah. Getting it to do auto night
1: mode in portrait mode is like yet one more fiddle. They fixed that on the Pixel Five, by the way. It does night, it does night mode by default now. If you want, and it shows up with a, a tiny little icon. You can turn it off, but it's there.
3: Yeah, I just couldn't get it. I had a Pixel Five. I just like I literally couldn't just like get the Pixel to do it.
1: Oh, you know what's interesting? Um, not being able to get a phone to take night mode. It was difficult for me to get the iPhone 12 to go into night mode. The iPhone 11 would be like, I don't see shit, and it would just <laughs> take a dark picture and go into night mode. Yeah, but the iPhone 12, like that. That, that brighter aperture, it's not that much like Dan Seifert will tell you, it's like not that much faster. Um, but it definitely was dropping into night mode less often. And that's some combination of the lens. And I think they're, they, I do actually give them credit for improved uh photo processing with their processor
2: and their algorithms and stuff. But was that not just only on the wide? Because if the like, I found that the wide, since it's letting in more light, yeah, less times it's going to night mode.
1: Yeah, it was going less in the ultra wide, but in general, you know, ultra wide cameras are always a little bit disappointing. Um, I'm happier. That they're there than most telephotos. I I use them more than telephoto, but I also don't have kids. So anyway, one last topic before we wrap because there is one other big new thing that I think might be the most like interesting upgrade for a lot of people's day to day experience is MagSafe. Oh yeah. I don't know. It was fun to to you know go back to charging, testing charge times like that was that was enjoyable. But uh, the accessory ecosystem, uh, I'm really curious to see what that looks like Joanna. You pointed out that the wallet, if you aren't careful, will just pop off when you put the phone in your pocket.
2: It's actually happening to me a lot now. Yeah. Even before this review, I used wallets like this, Mm -hmm. but I had like, you know, I would buy a bunch of them on Amazon and like stick them to the back of a case. Yeah. But yeah, it just falls off. Like it, you know, it doesn't fall off like that easily, but I'm not, I shouldn't have to think about it. Right. And so if I slide it into a tighter pair of pants or even last night, I was just, I don't know, my son was just like playing with it and it just fell off. Mm. And I love the idea in theory. I would love a great wallet case for the back of this. So I'm hoping maybe some third party makes it with some stronger magnet in the wallet part that might solve yeah. it because the MagSafe charger, as you pointed out, is extremely solid. Like yep. you stick that to a fridge and it sticks. This is not as sticky. I mean, it's I mean, it's okay. I have like a I'm putting it on a, <laughs> I, have a I have a filing cabinet that's a magnet. And so I was testing it on on here. So I'm just hoping the ecosystem of accessories just makes great things
1: so i trust that the ecosystem for cases and car mounts and maybe wallet things will be okay i think they'll figure that out over time the ecosystem i'm worried about is actually the charging ecosystem
2: oh yeah that's going to be a nightmare
1: third-party developers can make chargers that will charge at the faster 15 watts but you do have to have magnets to do it which is i think clever because it ensures that there's less um you know efficiency loss that it, it will it because if you do misalign, wireless charging is radically inefficient. But it means that Apple is in charge. They have the MFI program. And it also means that we now have Samsung doing relatively fa- standard Qi charging for fast charging. Pixel has its own custom fast charging standard for the Pixel stand. OnePlus has some kind of weird warp charging that's got all s- plays with amps and watts in a funny way. Huawei just came out with a phone that has a different kind of fast charging. And now we have the MagSafe type. Wireless fast charging? Wireless, yeah. I'm referring to all these are different standards for wireless fast charging charging that are they're chi compatible but they're not the same thing as chi i don't know i see a standards war and i come to you how do you how are you feeling <laughs> yeah this
3: one's like interesting i we have given apple a lot of crap because they're bad at ecosystems and it's because of mfi so mm-hmm. i just come back to the fact that there are no smart connector keyboards for the ipad the single most obvious accessory in the yeah. world for one of the most popular kinds of computers in the world and no one will use Apple's connector. Logitech makes a couple. Logitech will. Yeah, And I think that's just because like, I don't know, Eddie Q like went over there and he was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I truly do not understand why that ecosystem doesn't exist. And we have just heard from vendor after vendor that MFI is like a noose around their necks in many ways. So yeah, I want to believe I don't necessarily do it. The history isn't there at the same time it's charging and putting a lot of power into a phone with a battery has inherent safety issues. Yeah. And like, I kind of want Apple to tell me that the charger isn't going to blow up my phone. Right. And like, I don't think their instincts are to be more controlling. I think that's why you see all these proprietary systems everywhere, not just for speed and margin on accessories, but because if you just let any rando put a charging coil in the back of the phone, the possibility that the battery will explode is there. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I have a I have a couple of concerns about the MagSafe wireless charger, and you guys wrote a great piece about how this could be the signal to like the the non-port phone, which yeah. I think we are not seeing any good signs here that that is ready. Okay, yeah. there's like zero signs. Not only is it slow, which you pointed out too, it is it's really not as fast as a regular 15 watt charger that you'd plug into your phone. Like, there's definitely loss of power. The design of the magsafe charger, to me, is not good. Like I tried to put that thing on the nightstand and it kept falling off the nightstand. Like I don't want something that's like dang. it's 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 more it's more similar to the Apple watch circular magnet ridiculous thingy than yeah. it is an actual wireless charger. Yeah, a wireless charger should sit on your desk. It shouldn't be flopping all over the place, falling <laughs> off. It should sit there. It should have a long cord, and it should be able to charge when I want it.
1: Well, so what you need to do, Joanna, is you need to 3M tape it to a, a palm touchstone, and then it the solves all your problems because oh the palm God. touchstone sticks to the desk.
2: Fine. Great idea. Yeah. I shouldn't have to, like, get a magnet to put the magnet on top of <laughs> to put the other magnet on. Yeah. And the cord length is a really big thing. Because you it's don't short. really have that option, yeah. That's why I was stringing it across the the football field. Like people were like mocking me, like, "Oh, why, why do you need it to be longer? Like you need it to be longer to actually plug into the wall to sit on your desk. It's not like you can even attach a longer cord to it. You can't, and it doesn't come with the ch- the actual charger in the box, which is ridiculous. But
3: you don't think that it's just made to be plugged into a laptop? That's like kind of what, right? It's like it's that length where you just like plug it into your laptop and like, you know, I. It, it's it's a very confusing product.
2: It's a very confusing product. And, and it has so much p- potential. Yeah. Like, I, I want that product to be great.
3: I, I, don't, I don't know that the physics will allow it. My belief that Apple can build an ecosystem is not high,
1: right? Like, they just don't do it a lot. So do you think that maybe the, the move here is if the ecosystem around MagSafe doesn't develop, that maybe they, they don't get rid of the lightning port? They just wait and see?
3: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They, they're hell-bent on controlling every dollar that flows in and around the iphone right yeah it's all a continuum from app store policies to everything that connects the iphone needs to pay us a tax that's mfi that is all just what they do that's w1 in the headphones right like that's their business they sell the iphone and they take a cut of everything that happens in and around the iphone it is a very good business i'm not even criticizing it that was smart (laughs) like i wish i'd done that but do i have any belief that the big vibrant open ecosystem that you would need to get rid of the port from the phone will ever exist Mm -hmm. like that is a huge wait and see and that's
1: basically the same place Joanna is uh my hope is if they do it they just decide to go with some kind of smart connector that connects via magnet again pogo pins maybe yeah pogo pins why not I tell you what. I used a phone that did that. It was called the the HP VeeR, and it worked great. It had wireless charging, and it did not have a USB C port on it. It Just had some pogo pins and a custom little USB cable. Worked great. That's that's like the best. But what I I mean, we all know what I actually want. What I actually want, want is a, a USB C port. Huh? I mean, we all just want a
2: USB C port.
1: <laughs> oh, Joanna, are you on Team USB C port for the iPhone? Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, great. Who, who? What other team would there be? Oh,
1: there's 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 many people in my mentions that are not on that team.
2: I mean. Yes, that's what we should have now. I just invested in a ton of USB C to Lightning cords. Right. I just like bought five and put them in every room in the in the house. Yep. Yeah. You know? Like no, I just want a re- USB C to USB C cords like I can use with everything else I have here.
1: It will be a beautiful future that's never going to come for us. By the way, USB C is another ecosystem that they didn't make develop.
2: Well, yeah, that that ecosystem's a mess, but it got cleaned up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still a mess. Well, uh, a mess of bad standards that Apple <laughs> semi-participates in is an excellent place to, uh, to end the podcast. Joanna, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find your work?
2: I'm just going to say Joanna Stern on Instagram and Twitter and The Wall Street Journal.
1: Uh Neelai, thank you also for coming on. Thanks, you too. Thanks. All right, friends, that is the end of the show. Thanks so much for Neila and Joanna for coming on. Thanks also to my producers, Andrew Marino and Sophie Erickson. And I think we're going to do one more of these special director's cuts of reviews uh, next Tuesday. So stay tuned for that.